welcome to this segment of our Future of Insurance podcast series with industry leaders. Uh, today, I am just absolutely thrilled to have David Smith with me. Um, David is the CEO of a futurist uh, firm. Um, he's going to give you a little bit of background, but David and I have known each other for well over 15 years. We first met actually in China. We were both speaking at an event in China, um, and we struck up a uh, conversation, and the conversation has never stopped since, has it, David? Absolutely not. It was a memorable moment and an amazing conference, <laughs> and uh, I've enjoyed our uh, 15 years together. I didn't realize it was quite so long as that, but it's been really good. Yeah, I, I agree. So, David, um, why don't you give a little bit of background on yourself? And because um, you've got an interesting background that you bring uh, to the table for insurance, in particular, an outside-in perspective, and then talk about what you're doing uh, with uh, the insurance industry around innovation right now. Yeah. Okay, Denise, that sounds fine. Uh, I guess the primary thing is I've, I've sort of been uh, in the technology industry for 40 years in te technical roles, in leadership roles, in strategic marketing. And going back to 2000, it just seemed to me that we couldn't see the way forward in the $2 billion financial services business I was responsible for uh, thinking about its strategy. So I started looking over the horizon, and at that time, I found people beyond um, marketers, beyond analysts and commentators, all of which are tremendously valuable, but I found futurists, uh, half of which are barking mad. The other half are fantastically insightful, thinking about how <laughs> we're going to lead lives in the future. And, and those are the people who inspired me to co-create um, the Global Future Forum inside a, a large IT services firm. And ultimately, I took that private in 2006. So really, since 2000, I suppose, I've been acting as a futurist, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that title. Uh, but my background is strategic marketing and strategy and technology beyond that. That's great. So I know that, you know, when we met, you were act actually pretty actively involved um, um, speaking um, across a wide variety of industries. But you've really had some um, really interesting experiences uh, with regard to working with some insurers to try to get them to kind of look forward and not just look over the next um, year, two years, which has been our traditional planning process, but really to look out the next five years and potentially out to the next 10 years as the possibilities and, and what that's going to take um, both from what I call a leadership standpoint but also a execution standpoint, um, you know, so that people are responsive. Um, you know, as we've uh, seen in the industry, AMBEST has, has done a, a research last fall that indicated that CEOs, 75% agreed that um, innovation was top of their strategic agenda, yet only about 25% of them are really looking at disrupting themselves. Um, so they understand it, but they're not really executing on it. So what's been your experience, David? Well, that's a good point. I mean, the, the widest point about all of that is we do work across many different sectors. I have specialized for, I suppose, 20 years or so in roles in strategy and futures thinking on the insurance industry, both the life side, the annuity, the uh, um, assurance and the insurance worlds. And I suppose I've been very vocal thinking about how technology is going to ultimately change the very nature of the uh, industry and the offer and the products and services uh, and been at length with reports and papers and 
speaking at conferences and chairing conferences in, in London and elsewhere in the world, helping people think uh, out of the box about what are we fundamentally going to do differently in the future? And that's really, I think, where we're beginning to see the, 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 the green shoots of change emerging in the industry that are rethinking the absolute fundamentals of what, what the industry offers. And number one, it's, it's, number one, I suppose it's worth saying, to me, it's probably one of the most valuable industries in the world. It, it enables people to take on risk, to do things they wouldn't otherwise do. And that, I think, is often just completely lost in the, uh, in the obligation to engage with insurers, the, the fear of being without insurance on certain occasions. But it, it's the opposite. It's an enabler. So we think about where we are now with in-step propositions. And again, I think there are many, many quite exciting propositions in Instec and many of the ones are being funded now I think we're up to about 79 uh, a billion or, the, or something crazy across one and a half thousand companies or some such thing anyway um, vast amounts of money going into tech startups very often but people taking beyond that the processes that need to change for companies to, in, to start thinking about but I suppose just to say right up front is you could argue that some of the Instecs are actually the R&D functions and the innovation hubs of existing players. And I think it's not uh, uncommon yeah. for, yeah, it's not uncommon for big firms yeah. to, 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 to get to the brink of failure simply by being too successful and not being prepared to change and then uh, absorbing the latest meta change that's changed their industry. I mean, Microsoft's a great example. But they, they probably got two or three of the, major shifts in the industry, including broadband, I might add, um, completely wrong. But they bought themselves back in because they had a, a bag of money uh, and they've thrived ever since. So it's really interesting to see how the market's currently poised in terms of people engaging and changing what they do. It's probably why um, where we see a lot of um, insurance companies, particularly some of the larger ones and reinsurers as well, um, you know, the tier ones and the tier twos in particular are setting up their own venture capital funds at investing in some of these insured techs, not just the technology companies, but also the, uh, the startups that are insurance startups or MGA startups that are kind of introducing new kind of innovative products out to the market as almost a way for them to experiment, but also as a way for them to make sure that they're capturing that opportunity. Would you agree? I think they're hedging their bets. And I think it's exactly the right thing to do. But if you see the potential for your core business declining, then to invest in those businesses that are going to eat your lunch uh, are, are, is exactly the right move. I would do exactly the same thing. I think if you look at many of the larger insurance companies, and I work very closely with some of the big ones still, I, I love to remain engaged. I'm, I'm speaking uh, at the North American Association of Professional Agents conference in Orlando, assuming Orlando's, Orlando's there. Uh, I will be there in a couple of weeks as a keynote speaker, but also I'm joining their new um, digital initiative to think about how the uh, that whole sector of the supply chain needs to rethink its proposition. And, and it's great. It does. I mean, nobody is fundamentally uh, wrong now, but some of them can be wrong fairly soon because of the capability of new business processes, new approaches, new paradigms. And some of the larger firms, I, I like their attitude in terms of having a very flexible uh, mentality. The culture seems to be at the very top or the point where they're engaging. They are, they're happy to engage with startups in a, a myriad number of ways. Some of it can be investment. Some of it can be 
um, sharing a customer base, very often the thing the Instex haven't got, uh, sharing money, buying shares, sh sharing data. There's many new models that people can, can engage with. That, that engagement's needed, and, and that's the bit that's really got to change and is changing um, amongst many insurers. I at least think that. Yeah, you know, um, interesting that you're speaking uh, with that agent forum in a couple of weeks because that's a conversation we've been having with some other um, leaders. Um, we had it um, at Convergence actually this year in April at our customer event. And one of the things that's really happening in the marketplace is this, um, you know, you got a lot of agents and brokers that are retiring and then there's a lot of merger and acquisition. It's consolidating in the agent broker space. And you're trying to attract in this next generation of agents and brokers, and they want to do things very differently. And, um, you know, based on our research, and I know you've, you and I've talked about our, our consumer and our small, medium business research, we mm -hmm. see that that agent and broker still has a vital role, particularly for complicated products. Um, and uh, yet we got to find a way that they're not isolated from the entire process and technology and how do we integrate them and that they're more of a part of the process and engaged uh, with the customer all the way through with the insurer um, and that makes it really easy to do business with for both the customer but also for that agent and broker agree i think it's exactly the point and the things that make brokers attractive to people who want a long-term relationship for someone that they can trust and confide in is the very nature is the very thing that people will have more time to do when repetitive, um, you know, codifiable tasks will be taken over by technology, so it should free people up to be more, uh, be more cognizant of what people want. It should be, uh, people should be able to spend more time spending time with customers, listening to their issues and concerns, formulating strategies and plans with them, because in truth, you know, none of us really want to sit at home, you know, even on a wet day, and ponder over twenty-five different versions of insurance. And so I do, do I need well man? Do I need a key player? Do I need personal lines for this, that, and the other? Do I need health and property? And I'm going skiing and some dangerous sports and the cars needs covered one sort or another. You know, we really haven't got the time for all of that. I want, you know, I, I've got risk that needs covering. And if I've got somebody I trust who's genuinely in relationship with me and cares a little bit about me and knows a bit about me, I've given them the right to know that, then I think there is a very much a role for an empathetic uh, um, agent and broker in the system. Because on the other hand, you know, transactional type of uh, property casualty in particular, and you know, some forms of health and on the spot insurance, we may transact simply just web with, with um, you know, personal digital assistants making decisions for us and we engage with them. But you know, that's not everything. It's not, it's not like all brokers are now irrelevant. It's some of the tasks that brokers do will be automated, discuss. So it's a change in, in the very nature of the role. You can't preserve what it already does forever because that really won't work either. But they've got a great future if they're prepared to embrace it. Yeah, so one of the things as a futurist, David, you look at some of the key trends that are out there at a macro level and the implication of those you know, uh, to the industry. Could you give us your view, kind of what you're looking at and what you see as those, those top key macro trends um, that maybe we're not talking about enough that you see as a real implication and offer both a challenge and an opportunity to the industry? Yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Number one is the whole consumer continued um, use of, of new channels and uh, uh, automation. We are very good as consumers to just in, 
embrace new ways of engaging with people if it makes our lives, lives easier. So we're going to use voice an awful lot more. We're going to use new channels. We're going to use our own AI engines, our, our, our purchasing uh, digital assistance on our devices or simply through voice to go do some shopping for us, and do some evaluation. But there'll be smarter tools out there that allow us to do more things on the customer side than we've ever been able to do before, and it'll be easy. So therefore, you know, on the supply side, we have to be just as smart engaging with this new world of brokered transactions between people and organizations, uh, providing uh, smart tools in a way that we want uh, to engage. So consumer engagement is going to change without a shadow of a doubt. Um, our, our potential, our habit of wanting to be far more, if you like, transactional in a way, which plays against what I just said about lifetime relationship, is uh, I don't want to pay for something I'm not going to use. So I'm going to increasingly want products to fit me. So this is this personalization thing. So if it's, if it's um, the nature of cover and risk, personalize it to me. You know, I don't care what you do. Uh, I, I don't go out on a Wednesday. I don't want cover on a Wednesday for certain things. I want different cover. I do things at different times. You know where I am. You have, my, you have my, the right to know where I am in the world and what I'm doing. Risk goes up. Risk goes down. Change the whole model of what you charge me for um, as I go along. You do that more in, in, in smart um, um, meters in my home. You tell me how I'm using power so I can do something about it. And I want the same thing for what have been traditionally annual products on a fixed once, once a year we change the, the um, criteria. I want that to change. I want a transactional uh, variable uh, approach to how you cover my life and that risk is priced uh, and offered. So that's a very different proposition in the future than, if you like, where we traditionally have come from. I know we're not there thinking-wise uh, anymore. We are moving much more towards that personalized um, you know, life moment, risk-covering uh, transaction. But there aren't many of them, and there aren't many people providing that or, or indeed have much experience of what it's like to do that. So that's number one. Number two is you know, risk, risk cover for products and compensation is what the insurance industry has always, always been about. So it compensates you for something bad that's happened to you. In the future, I want risk mitigation as well as risk compensation. So if, if I can have a device in my home that cuts the water off and stops flooding, then let's do it. But I'm not going to pay for the device and I'm going to pay you for the same premium for that cover because the cover's less. So what to you looks like a great benefit of, of reduced uh, risk for the same premium to me is lower premium and reduced risk. So we need a handshake about what, what, what devices am I going to engage with and what can you rely on as, as somebody who's uh, covering me uh, and therefore what price should that risk be at? So should I spend more on those devices in my home that are reliable, managed well, etc., cetera? Uh, or should I just say, look, I'm not going to tell you about anything I've got that does that, just cover me for the ultimate risk. And if they, they don't work, it doesn't matter because I'm covered. So that whole, that whole change is mitigating risk, telling me not to go down a road where there was a robbery three minutes ago. You know, that, that, that is beginning to happen in New York. You're getting social tools that tell you where there's trouble spots in Manhattan, and that's still slow to spread. You know, why wouldn't it? So tell me where I shouldn't go. Tell me where I shouldn't drive. Tell me there's ice on the road. Tell the car there's ice on the road rather than me. There's a whole bunch of things that are going to increasingly require technology to be integrated and form part of stopping me suffering loss at the same time as 
compensating me when I do suffer loss. That's probably enough that on that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that personal, yeah, that personalization and that risk mitigation really moves us from a static view of insurance to a very dynamic view of insurance that re really requires us to have um, uh, capabilities that can handle a real-time uh, flood of data that's coming on a, con uh, on, a, on a continuous basis. And then even more fundamentally is to provide continuous underwriting rather than underwrite once and it, you renew in a year type of thing. It's a, it's a continuous underwriting. And that fundamentally is a different process and te different technology. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Because it actually covers exactly the same issue. Is insurance has always been about risk. It manages risk. It prices risks. It, it monitors risks. It compensates for the, the actuality of risk happening. Um, so it is only exactly the same thing. But this time, how about I don't suffer the loss? So actually, you go from being a distress sale, which isn't strictly true, but many people call it that. It's a distress sale. It's a it's one that has to be sold to me because I don't want to buy it. I don't really enjoy the experience, but I have to have it. Sometimes it's, it's mandated by law, but for, and that's fine. But how about something that actively builds up a whole um, storyboard of cases where it's helped people avoid risk? You're not burgled. Uh, you're the only house in that road. You're not, you know, you, you didn't go down that road and five cars slid on ice and they crashed and, People went down that road after you and they got mugged. I don't want to visit that on anybody, by the way. But the bottom line is, if you can do more proactive things, how quickly is that word going to spread to others, the actuality of what, how your life is better because of them? And how much loved is that provider going to be than somebody who simply may compensate me, that's that whole claim thing, after something bad's happened? Or may tell me I'm underinsured or I, or I got something wrong and therefore may not pay me. It's a doubt, it's a claim, it's not a, it's not actual. The other way is, don't get on that road, someone was mugged. Or don't go on that road, it's icy. Don't, we've turned your water off, your house is, water pipe's leaking. Those are real things. I think it'll change the industry.